Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't you thankful that Jesus lives? Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, if you will, go ahead and join me right back in the gospel according to Matthew and still in chapter 13. Can you believe that? I'll spend the whole day in one little portion of Matthew chapter 13. Uh, Did any of you get a nap today? Raise your hand if you got a nap today. Wow, I'm a little envious, all right? Uh, I did not get a nap today, but I did have a great day in the Lord. Uh, A lot of, well, God moved in a mighty way this morning, didn't he? Uh, Before things were said and done, there were around five that came to faith in Jesus this morning after seeing five more baptized. Yeah, give God glory tonight. Amen. Uh, I hope you know uh, that this didn't happen everywhere. It ought to to cause me and you just to praise him. That's what it ought to make us do. Uh, You ought to leave out of here. I don't know how in heaven's name anybody that gathers a party here could ever complain about one single thing. When we see God do continually, consistently, uh, abundantly what he does every single time we gather, uh, he's a great and mighty God. And on top of that, I, I want to share a little testimony without sharing names this morning. There was a brother in the house this morning, and he said, you know, you, you'd mentioned, so he messaged me this this afternoon. He said, you know, you, you, you mentioned for us to pray about the things that we have need for, you know, that God cares about our need, and we pray. And so he said, you know what? I said, I'm just going to do that. He said, he just got a new job. And, you know, oftentimes when you get a new job, they'll hold your check for a week. And, you know, he said, he's just kind of struggling because of that. And he said, uh, you know, I really didn't know about food for the rest of the week. And he said, so I just said, I'm, I'm going to do it. And he said, I, he said, he just started praying, Lord, you know my need. I, I got about seven days before I get my paycheck. And, and he said, when I, and he said, I prayed inside. I didn't pray outside. I prayed inside. He said, when I said amen, the man beside me handed me a $100 bill. Huh? Did y'all hear that? He didn't say anything out loud. He was just praying. And God prompted another brother to, for, without any words, just hand him a $100 bill. And uh, I just think every time things like that, we ought to just celebrate the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. Amen. We ought to just thank God for it. And uh, I don't know names, but whoever the brother was uh, that heard the prompting of the Holy Ghost and didn't question, but just did it, thank you. Thank you for being used of God. And uh, I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Listen for the Holy Spirit. And when he prompts you, do whatever he says do, even if it doesn't make any sense. Uh, do what he says do, and I promise you will receive a blessing, and others will be blessed by you, okay? Matthew chapter 13, all right? Let's dive in tonight. Matthew chapter number 13. And uh, we left off this morning. I'm going to actually skip one parable that is just about a verse long. Is that all right with you all? Okay, because here we go. And uh, as we're looking at Matthew chapter 13, I want you to find, if you will, uh, verse number 45 and 46. Okay, so we're coming on down where we left off this morning, 45 and 46. The parable of the hidden treasure is one verse long. And many believe that to refer to the nation of Israel, all right? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and with joy over it, he gives and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's a chosen spot, a chosen people, and many believe that's allusion to uh, the people of Israel, all right? The chosen people of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, I'm going to invite you tonight uh, to stand to your feet with me in honor of reading God's word And let's read verse 45 and 46 together, okay? Y'all think we can make two verses? Some of y'all looking tired this evening. 
I'm kidding. You, look, you actually look alert tonight. All right, so here we go, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, and the merchant is seeking beautiful pearls. It's a specific merchant. He's looking for something specific, beautiful pearls, who, when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Two verses, pregnant with truth. You wait and see. And so tonight, let's take just a moment, bow our heads together, and ask the Spirit of God to help us now. Would you do that with me just right where you are? I'm going to just ask you tonight, just sort of not to get in the same routine of the same thing, would you just take a moment and pray for me? Would you do that? I know it seems a little selfish, except that uh, I know I'm weak and beggarly, and I need your prayers, and I need God to help me right now. So would you pray God would help me preach uh, with the gift he's given me of the Spirit and the gift of preaching? Just ask him, God, would you please uh, help me, help me, help me now. Thank you for the prayers of your people, God. Thank you so much for doing that. I, I feel ready now. And so now I'm going to pray for all of us. And so, Lord, as they have prayed for me, uh, Lord, I pray for all of us in that as I preach as your mouthpiece, tune my ears into your voice and tune our ears into your voice. And God, as we ask you so many times, let it be as a little children sitting down at the table with their daddy being fed. Feed us by your word. Chase away lies. Prove the truth so that we can able to determine what is counterfeit. And Father, we bless you and praise you for what you have already done in this place today, and we thank you in advance for what you're about to do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and all the people of God said together, amen, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I want to just sort of, if I could, begin by saying uh, many have interpreted over the years, matter of fact, the most common interpretation of this particular passage, two verses, is that the pearl of great price is Jesus. And I want to say to you, in no way, shape, form, or fashion could it possibly be that the pearl of great price could be Jesus. Now, let me look at your faces. I like that right there. Now, some of y'all are like, oh, yeah? Yeah, hang on. And so, <clears throat> the pearl of great price. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, we call him the Rose of Sharon. There's a scripture that, 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 that points to that. We call him the balm of Gilead. There's a place in the Old Testament that refers to him as that. We call him the bright and morning star. There's a place in the Old Testament that calls him that. We call him the lily of the valley. There's a place in the Old Testament that calls him that. There are a lot of different things that we call Jesus, poetic, wonderful, thought-provoking, emotion-driven uh, titles for the Lord Jesus. And I believe tonight it'd be well, it'd be great. Doesn't it just sound good to call Jesus the pearl of great price? I mean, it fits. It sounds wonderful, but not in this passage. And I'm going to prove it to you why. First of all, just a few reasons, because we need to settle who that is before we can unpackage what really is going on, okay? So, first of all, in the, in the passage, in the parable, and remember, a parable is, a, is an earthly story that has heavenly meaning. And so, Jesus is telling us this to teach us things in the heavenly realm, all right? So, uh, again, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. So, there's a, we see first the merchant. And if Jesus is the pearl of great price, then we are the only thing that we can be in the parable is the merchant, Okay? And we ask ourselves the question, what is the merchant doing? The merchant is seeking. The, the merchant is looking for, and he's looking for this beautiful pearls, this pearl of great price. First, it's plural, and then it is singular, when the fact that he's looking for beautiful pearls, but he finds this one pearl, and this one pearl outshines them all, okay? And so in the parable, if Jesus was the pearl of great price, it makes us the merchant, which means then that we were seeking him and he wasn't seeking us. 
And so let me just tell you that the interpretation that Jesus is the pearl of great price fails on point number one in that the scripture says in Romans chapter three and verse number 11, none seeks God. So if the word of God is true, and I believe it to be, and by the way, the best interpreter of scripture is scripture, and so if in true that no one seeks after God until God first seeks after us, uh, we cannot be the merchant. Is anybody tracking with me? Some of y'all convinced already, but I've got a few more points I'd like to make in just heavily helping you understand uh, that we, the church, uh, well, well, let the cat out of the bag. Uh, hang on with me, okay? So, uh, the pearl of great price. Otherwise, not only that, if, uh, if, if in fact you and I were the merchant and Jesus was the pearl of great price, you would expect Adam in the Garden of Eden when he had rebelled against his wonderful, loving father who had given him the whole earth, the whole garden, everything wonderful. You would have expected Adam when he messed up to go looking for God, running around the garden saying, God, where are you? God, where are you? But in fact, but in fact, God had to come looking for him. And we find the same to be true a little later on. And then we go on and we consider that in the end of the parable, in verse 46, it says, who when he, the merchant, had found one pearl of great price. And so if that is Jesus, uh, what we would do is when we found Jesus, we'd have to go sell what we had in order to, now listen to how ludicrous this sounds, by Jesus. Some of y'all are thinking, man, how did I ever think that the pearl of great price was Jesus? How many times have you heard that preached and taught in the common vernacular of the church? that Jesus is the pearl of great price. So think about it for a minute now. If uh, a bankrupt sinner such as I, what in heaven's name am I going to sell? What do I have to sell? What in the world could I offer up in my fallen condition that could in, even unf uh, in the dreaming of the mind ever conceive that I could pay to have Jesus if I would just get rid of something I had that's valuable? Uh, all some of y'all looking like, man, I'm really beginning to see the picture here that Jesus is in fact in this parable not the pearl of Great price. Okay, so we said that uh, the bankrupt sinner, uh, what would we have to sell? And here's the second question that comes to mind. If Jesus is the pearl of great price, what would be precious enough to purchase Jesus? What in heaven's name do you possess that you could sell in order that you might buy the son of the living God? I'll tell you, nothing. Not a single thing do you have to offer in order to buy the Lord Jesus. And by the way, Jesus is not for sale, nor is salvation. So then, the pearl of great price is not, in fact, Jesus, but I'm going to prove to you through the Scripture today that the pearl of great price is, in fact, the church. And the church is you and me. Now, when I say you and me, I use that term loosely, but I want to be careful about that because I never want you to believe that when I say you and me, I'm assuming that you are wheat and not a tear because they look the same. Tote their Bibles, pray, you know, uh, you know, you, you all follow, put a little money in the offering plate. You can't tell until harvest time truly who has been born again. So don't ever think just because I say you and me, I'm, I'm referring to you. I'm talking to the you and me's out there that know for certain that they have trusted in Jesus, that he really did purchase them with his own blood, and that he really did rise from the dead, and that in, re in response to that, that seeking, that drawing, the, those of us who have invited and received Jesus as Lord of all. That's who the you and me's are. So that's the pearl of great price. Now let me go back and unpack this thing in just two quick verses and you'll be out of here before you know it. Can you believe that? You'll be looking up thinking, man, ain't no way it's time to leave. All right, so here we go. Look back with me, if you will, in verse 45 and I wanna just talk for a minute about how it is formed. What is it? The pearl of great price. What am I saying to you that the pearl of great price is? What did I say to you it was? The church. 
I'm going to show you that the formation of a pearl is very similar, if you will, it parallels the formation of the church, okay? Y'all ready? I wish y'all smiled tonight. I'm not sure that many of y'all got your nap as you said you did, all right? Or maybe like my grandfather used to say, he'd always say no matter how long he napped, he'd say, I don't think I got my nap out. And so maybe you didn't get your nap out. Roman number one in your notes, and they're just going to be two of these because they're two verses. But Roman number one is going to have a list of four. How about that? I didn't want you to be sad getting started, okay? How it is formed. Four things about the pearl and the church and the formation of both, okay? Number one, under Roman number one, how is it formed? How is what? It, the pearl of great price or, or in essence, the church. All right, number one. The church, like the pearl, was formed by pain, an irritant, if you will. Now, if you're mindful of how a pearl is formed, a grain of sand, some gritty object gets inside of the clam. And if you're a clam, uh, that is going to be painful, but you don't have arms and legs, and you don't have a way to reach in and pick that grain of sand out, and so the grain of sand resides, and over time, it grinds, and it grinds against the tender, gentle muscles of the clam, and over time, the grinding and the grinding, the body's response, the, the, oyster, uh, the, the clam's response to the, to the irritant is to form something, uh, some deposits on the outside, and layer by layer, the pain and the irritant and the suffering of the the oyster or the clam produces a pearl. I want to introduce to you tonight that the pearl of great price, the church, was also formed by the pain of a certain someone. And this pain of a certain someone was the pain of leaving the throne of heaven. And it was the pain of being rejected. It was the pain of uh, emptying himself of all the riches of heaven and coming down as a bondservant. It was the pain of jeering and mockery. It was the pain of his own 12 chosen to follow him, one selling him out for silver, others running in their every direction when the time came for the rubber to meet the road upon his, upon his arrest. Pain of rejection. The church was formed through the pain and the agony of the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus prayed and agonized in the struggle with temptation and sin and agonizing over the wrath of the Father that would, in fact, be poured out on him in its fullness. The pearl of great price, the church was formed like the irritant to the clam, a major suffering on the part of a certain someone named Jesus. And as they striped his back with the cat of nine tails, they pressed the crown of thorns upon his, upon his head. Every stripe was necessary for the formation of the church. Every stripe and spit and punch and club and thing that happened to Jesus was necessary so that the wrath of God would be satisfied. All of it had to happen to produce this pearl of great price. You see the similarities here? And how the pearl is formed through pain and suffering and ours as well. And so the sacrifice of Jesus, listen, just like an irritant in the clam or the oyster, our sin wounded our Savior. And that pain and suffering has become something valuable in him. The little grain of sand by itself is worth nothing, but through the suffering of the clam produces something that is of worth and value. You and I, in and of ourselves, are worth nothing, but in him, through his pain and suffering, become the pearl of great price. Number two, we're talking about how it is formed, or we're asking the question, how is it formed? And we're paralleling a pearl being formed to the church being formed, the suffering of the clam producing the pearl and the suffering of Jesus producing the church. Let me give you a verse uh, to put in your scripture there before we move in your notes before we move on to number two. <clears throat> Write down Isaiah 53 and verse number five. 
Here's what it says. But we, uh, he rather was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Not his stripes singular, but every single lick that he took was necessary to bring me and you in and form the church, his church, the pearl of great price. Number two, the church like the pearl. We said first the church like the pearl was formed in pain. But secondly, the church like the pearl was formed from depths to heights. Now, let me just cause you to think about that for a minute. I want you to imagine, if you could, for just a moment, a pearl and an oyster or a clam uh, deep down in the dark, murky waters of the ocean. And I want you to imagine it in its home and, and understanding that where it finds itself through the suffering of the clam, it's not worth much value. It hasn't seen the light of day, and it's in a place deep and dark and, and separated, if you will, from those who would see it as valuable. I want you to think for just a moment about the church, and the Scripture says in Colossians chapter 2, write it in your notes there, verse number 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, you talk about deep, you talk about dark. We were low like the clam with the oyster, and Jesus has, as he formed the church, he's brought us. Y'all remember singing that song, Love Lifted Me? When nothing else could help, love lifted me. And I want you to think for a moment about that clam is of no value, that oyster is of no value, that pearl is of no value until it is lifted up from the murky bottoms and brought to the light of day. Hey, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. The church is of no value until Jesus reaches down and lifts us from the murky dead of our deadness of our trespasses and brings us to life and light in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.13, he's made us alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You're talking about going from low to high, Amen. So you see, we are, in fact, the pearl of great price. Number three, I'm saying with you four, if I could, four specific parallels between the church and the formation of the pearl, all right? Number three, the church, like the pearl, has gone from darkness to light. I want you to think again, not just from low to high, but from a place where no light exists to a place where light is, is, is the norm of the day. Ephesians 5 and verse 8 says this, for you, speaking to the church, those who've been born again, you were, ready? You were once hanging out in the darkness. Nope, nope. You were once part of the wrong crowd. No, no, no. You were once darkness. You were darkness. Do you get that? He didn't say you were hanging out in a dark place. Yeah, how many times have we ever said this before? Well, I was in a dark place. No, without Jesus, you and I were, in fact, part of the darkness. And just like that clam in that dark abyss of a home was lifted to the light of day, you and I and Jesus have been brought from the depths of our sinful condition and brought to the light of men and that is the life they have found, you and I have found, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church, like the pearl, has gone from darkness to light. Listen to what he says. For you were once darkness, <clears throat> but now you are, help me somebody, light in the Lord. Not that God has given you light, but you were once darkness, but now he's transformed you into light. You're not, you're, you are light now. And so we, the church, are that pearl of great price. Fourthly, fourthly, talking about how it was formed, how what was formed, the pearl of great price or or. The church, the New Testament church, bought with Jesus' blood, all right? Number four, the church, just like the pearl, is formed from glory to glory. 
Now, let me explain what I mean by the church and the oyster or the, or the pearl being formed from glory to glory. Do you know that when a, that grain of sand, it's, it's irritating uh, the oyster, the client, and it's producing a covering, and it continues to irritate, and it, it covers another layer, and layer upon layer, the pearl is formed. Is anybody tracking with me? And the longer it goes and the more irritant goes, the, the bigger and more valuable is uh, the pearl, okay? And I want you to think for just a minute about you and I and how <clears throat> when you pull a pearl out, let's say so many years in, if, uh, if you pull it out there, uh, you realize that if it stays, it's developing even better. Are you with me? And so what am I saying from glory to glory? When the pearl begins to form, it's a wonderful thing. But as it forms and matures, it gets more beautiful and more beautiful and more beautiful. Oh, hallelujah. Can anybody see the parallel to the church? When you were born again, you were made in the eyes of God beautiful and wonderful, and you were made perfect in his sight. And you and I began a process here on earth becoming more like him. It's called sanctification. We become more like him as we draw near to him. All right? Anybody with me? But we will not reach our full glorification until the day Jesus parts the sky or our little heart stops beating. See, from glory to glory. Boy, we're just like the pearl, aren't we? I'm telling you, we, the church, are just like the pearls. Anybody seen a picture tonight? How many of you convinced now fully that the pearl of great price is, in fact, the New Testament church? Hallelujah. It is a very clear picture. Now, you just hang on as I draw a conclusion here about the seeker, okay? So, there are three things. I said two. There are three. See, I misspoke. Number two, I want us to look for just a minute, okay, in verse 45, at the seeker, at the seeker. He's called a merchant, right? He's called somebody who is looking for something to buy, okay? <clears throat> now, again, couldn't be me and you because we weren't looking for him. Come on, somebody. He was looking for us, and he came looking for us. And so, let's read, if we will, back verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. This merchant is on a mission. You with me? This merchant is on a mission. Now, let's talk about the seeker, all right? So, two things I'd like to say about that. Uh, this is why Jesus, how do I know it's the merchant? What did Jesus come to do? What does Luke 19.10 say? Put it on the overhead for me. You guys read along with me. Luke 19 and verse number 10. Read along with me. Say it with me. For the Son of Man has come. I told you Jesus wasn't the pearl of great price, but he was the merchant seeker whose purpose when he left the throne of heaven was to come and to do what? Seek, seek, and save. Seek means to actively look for, to seek. It's the merchant. He's looking for actively these beautiful pearls. Now, here's what's astonishing to me, how in heaven's name he ever looked at me and said, now, there's a beautiful pearl. Or let me turn the mirror and say to you, I don't know how in heaven's name he ever looked at you and said, there's a beautiful pearl. Because I, I know a little bit about me and you apart from Jesus. And he saw that in us before we ever said, come Lord Jesus, save me. Make me new. Transform my life. He, he, aren't you glad that he sees more than just the right now picture? And so the serpent, the, the seeker rather, the, the Lord Jesus, he came to seek and save that which was lost. And let's just talk for a minute about, so, so that was his mission while he was here on the earth. And I'll tell you, it's still his mission today. Now, he seeks in a different manner. What do you mean? Well, now he seeks, number two, in your little notes there under the seeker, uh, Jesus came for this reason, but number two, he now seeks by the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a verse to go along with it. Aren't you glad we always have a verse to go along with it? Instead of just kind of conjuring something up or looking at the farmer's almanac. Aren't you glad we don't do that? Aren't you glad we don't just read a couple of poems up here, read a verse and talk about a bunch of psychology? Aren't you thankful that we just 
talk about the Word of God. Let the Word of God do what the Word of God does. Look what happens in Luke, excuse me, John 16 and verse number 8. And when he has come, talking of the Holy Spirit, the helper Jesus referred to him as, he will, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of sin. World meaning lost people. You see, you and I lack the ability to have conviction over sin unless the Holy Spirit of God brings conviction on our hearts. And he convicts the world of sin and of righteousness. What do you mean? You and I can't know what's right unless the Spirit of God shows us. We can know what's righteous and holy unless the Holy Spirit of God reveals it. It's the mission. He's seeking. He's coming after me and you. And of judgment. It's only the Holy Spirit of God that shows us there's a judgment day coming. And our only means of escape is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. He's still seeking and saving. And by the way, he does it through circumstances, God seeks. He seeks through his word. Wouldn't you agree? His Holy Spirit uses all manner of a resource and means to come after me and you. And aren't, hey, by the way, aren't you thankful? Aren't you glad God came after you and he didn't just, after you thumbed your nose a couple times and kept going your way, he didn't say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm through fooling with that one. But he kept on pursuing us. The seeker, he came to seek and save that which was lost. He seeks, oh, and by the way, we looked at this morning, the fact that he's reconciled us. He's also brought us into the ministry of reconciliation. And so the Holy Spirit also seeks through, are you ready for this? Me and you. Through me and you. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Until his resurrection and ascension, that time he said to his disciples, now you are the light of the world. So now Jesus in us, lives this seeking and saving mission by the Holy Spirit's presence to find those people in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, across the ocean, next door, that don't know Jesus, that are tares and are destined for the fire. And he puts this on our heart, and we join the mission. I wonder tonight if you're on the mission as the seeking merchant with the Lord Jesus. Finally, number three. So I told you, two quick verses, but they, aren't they pregnant with truth? So we've determined tonight that the pearl of great price is Who? The church, the New Testament church. And by the way, if you'll do a study in your Bible about the pearl, you'll find out in the Old Testament it was not mentioned much. You know why? Because Old Testament Jewish people didn't see, didn't see pearls as having much value. The, the pearl is actually mentioned more in the New Testament. It's more of a new, why? Gentiles valued pearls more, and you'll hear things like casting your pearls before the swine, or, or in Revelation, having the pearly gate, the great pearl gate in heaven. And so we began to see the pearl being of great value in the New Testament. Oh, and the New Testament focuses heavily upon the formation of the New Testament church. Wow. Aren't you, isn't it beautiful how all this fits together? Two verses. Two verses tucked in here in Matthew chapter 13, pregnant with truth. Finally, number three, title this in your notes, the transaction. The transaction. So we have this seeker named Jesus, and he's come, and he's left the throne of heaven, and he's seeking beautiful pearls. And somebody asked me one time, why does God choose people like me and you? I said, it's because we're all he's got. Isn't that true? There's no perfect people under the sun. And so don't you ever believe that you're not a beautiful pearl, that you're not valuable, that God can't use you, that God can't do things in your life that impact eternity? Don't you ever believe that you are relegated to some role that will only just sort of like a hamster in a wheel and never really touch eternity, just sort of live out your existence until you die? That's a lie of the enemy. He came seeking you for purpose. He's got a plan for your life. You're a valuable pearl in his eyes. And he wants you to get busy about this mission that he's called you to. Let me read on, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, and it's Jesus, and he's seeking beautiful pearls. That's you. 
and that's me. And he, when he found one pearl of great price. Now, this is not just any beautiful pearl. He's talking about his own special people. He's talking about a people that belong to him, that live for him, that love him. I'm telling you, he's talking about a people that don't look average. They don't blend in. They don't look like the average Joe. I'm telling you, in Jesus' name, he's talking about not just an average pearl. He's talking about the pearl of great pride, the one that's worth everything. And that's what he says about you and me, church. When he found us, when he, when he, when he saw this New Testament church, he went and sold in the parable. He went and sold all that he had, and he purchased it. He bought it. Now, let's just talk for a minute about the transaction, if we could. I want you to write this verse in your notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you will, and verse number 9. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9, the transaction. So far, we have looked at, Roman number 1 was how is it formed? What formed? The pearl of great price, or in essence, the church, okay? Secondly, we looked at the seeker. Who is the seeker? Jesus. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And he's still on that mission today through you and through me. And then thirdly, we're talking now about the great transaction, okay? So I want you to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Boy, you, when you read this verse, I'm telling you, and you compare it to this, per, this merchant that sold everything he had, he got rid of everything he had in order to purchase this thing. Oh, hallelujah, wait till you read this. Some of y'all gonna smile first time this afternoon. Some of y'all gonna finally, at the end of the sermon, right here at the end before we blow the whistle, somebody's gonna finally wake up. A half a smile is gonna creep up on you. Here it is, you ready? Read with me, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. What kind of grace? Oh, that though he was rich, he had everything. Yet for your sakes, he sold it. He sold it. Well, in essence, he gave it up. And he left a mansion in glory, the likes of which your and my feeble little mind couldn't dream up the glory. And he vacated that up there. And he came down to a manger where they fed animals. And that's where he laid wrapped in flesh. And he was born to the parents, a carpenter, Jewish carpenter was his, was his bonus dad here on the earth. And to a little maidservant named Mary was his, was his mama. And his whole life, other than when he was a child, he never, had a, he never owned a home. And he went town to town. And listen to what the scripture says. It says in the parable, uh, who when he had found the pearl of great price, when he saw the goal, the joy that was set before him was this, was this church, this, his church, belonged to him, bought with his blood. What did he do? He sold everything that he had. What did 2 Corinthians 8 9 say? That though he was rich, read with me, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why would he do such a thing? That you, church, through his poverty might become rich. Oh, there's nobody like Jesus. Tonight, I want you to ponder for just a minute the fact that Jesus gave up everything for somebody like you. And I want you to think for just a moment about how many things you and I are not willing to, get ready, not, not willing to give up for him. And I want you to think about how much of our time we hold on to with both our fists and how much of our resources we hang on to with both of our fists. It occurred to me the other day as I was riding down the road, I saw a Kingdom's Hall of Jehovah Witnesses that are peddling some other Jesus, another Jesus, counterfeit Jesus. 
And I look at the building and I think about it's paid for. And I said, man, how in the world are people with the wrong truth able to give so generously? And I thought about us and how oftentimes we struggle to, you know, give up things and we claim we have the truth. Sometimes I think we've missed out on the fact that Jesus gave up everything. He, He went from richer than rich and he became poor, beggarly a pauper, if you will, so that you and I could inherit everything he has to offer. Boy, if that doesn't light your fire tonight, I ain't got nothing else to say. And so let's bow our heads together. Will you bow your head with me for just a moment? And as your head's bowed right in your seat there, I want you to ponder how God intends for you to respond to what it is that you've heard. Now, let's just think, what is that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, everybody's still. What have we heard? We heard about this pearl of great price. We heard about how it's formed. It was formed through his pain and suffering. This church was formed through his pain and suffering. The church was formed by being from the depths of our sin to the heights of his forgiveness. The church, like the pearl, has gone from darkness to light. We were deep and dark in our sin, and Jesus has now shined the light, and now we've become the light. The church, like the pearl, was formed from glory to glory. Listen, he's not done with me and you yet. Hallelujah. We're nowhere near where we were when he found us, and he's not done yet. From glory to glory, he's transforming me and you. Listen to me. There's even more glory yet to come. The seeker. I want you just to consider tonight the fact that Jesus came looking for you. For you. Don't you dare ever listen to the lie of the enemy that would say that you're not worth anything or you're not valuable because you're you're not tall enough or you weigh too much or or because you don't always get it right or because sometimes you have trouble understanding the scriptures or because sometimes you have wrong thoughts or sometimes you struggle uh, with saying things you shouldn't. Don't you ever believe for a second that because of those things, you're not one of those pearls, that pearl of great price that he came and gave everything up for. He did, and he did it for you. The seeker, I want you tonight to fall more in love with Jesus as you think about the seeker coming to seek and save that which was lost. And then for just a moment, I'd like for us to ponder the great transaction that Jesus willingly gave up. The first part of the transaction was a giving up. He gave up all that he had. He gave up his riches and became poor. But that's not the end of the transaction. The rest of the transaction is that he went to the cross and poured out his blood because, see, it was a transaction signed and sealed in blood. And it's by his blood that you and I are saved. And it's by his blood that we can be made right. The great transaction. He was willing to give his own life for you and for me. So, precious friend, I pray you'd leave here tonight, first of all, knowing your value in him, in him. You are the pearl of great price if you're his child. Now let's go out and live like it. Let's go out and live our lives like it, like we believe that, like like we believe he's worth that, like we believe that this is more to it than just a Sunday affair, like we believe he really is Lord of lords and King of kings, like we believe he really did hang in agony above the earth for our sin. Let's go out and live like that. See what he does this week in our lives. Father, we thank you for the message tonight. God, we thank you that you came seeking us. I cannot fathom the depths of your love. I'm amazed by you. I'm so very grateful, God, that you love somebody like me. 
And I pray somebody here is listening that tonight they can turn their life over to Jesus. He's already paid for them. May they receive access into the family by saying yes to Jesus. Lord, I hope somebody tonight would be saved. Somebody would return. Somebody would be reminded how valuable they are and that we all would go out and live like it. In Jesus' name, I pray. And the people of God said, amen. Let's stand together.